It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live Entertainment Review. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. I'm Michelle Mendoza in Seattle, where snow is lightly falling. We're giving you some entertainment reviews. We get to the end of the week. We're looking at a weekend review today. We'll be looking at uh, what's going on in the movies, getting you plugged into the movies. And we're going to look at a new series that is on PureFlix called Vindication. We got you today. A weekend review. Well, we're taking on a week in review and our entertainment review, looking back at some of the news that made news this week and what the deeper story is. And boy, is this a crazy news week, man. I am starting to feel like I'm in a bad sitcom and I'm about to be canceled. Uh, We are joining with one of my favorite people. And this guy is amazing. You can see his happy, smiley face from Dallas, Texas. Adam Raziri is the chief marketing officer with Agency Partner Interactive. He has a, a great refreshing point of view as we look at what's going on in the news and we kind of need that uh, adam it's fair to say that you're you're a libertarian probably fair to say yeah center, center right for sure center right, center right. Uh, mm-hmm. you know just i guess the reason i mentioned that is because mm-hmm. i tend to go in that direction too and what does that mean to me it just means that we're kind of sitting back in america right now and going what are you guys doing <laughs> <laughs> kind of feel like you you have to be the um, the monitor on the playground, and you just want to blow your whistle and go. Okay, everyone, go back inside. Play, yeah, playtime's over for you, right? Someone has to be the adult in the room, right? <laughs> and if it's coming America to the point where I have to be the adult in the room, we are in trouble. <laughs> just, just get that out of the way right there. So let's talk about some of the news that made news this week. This is crazy. Uh, we are looking at the drama with Mark Cuban and the national anthem. Oh my gosh. That is just, okay. So I live here in Texas and it is a very weird week. And I'll tell you, it's literally, we're, we're about to get a blizzard here in Texas, which is so atypical. We're, we're going to see something like six inches of snow this weekend. Very atypical. Like a week ago, it was 50 degrees. I was doing work in my backyard in a tank top. And then something just, extra weird right why don't we see what's going to happen with the national anthem literally i went to bed and i saw a tweet talking about how mark cuban was going to cancel the national anthem from all home games before tip-off what what i mean listen the, the national anthem back in 1918 game one of the world series the boston red sox versus the chicago cubs in chicago they had a live band perform the national anthem. This was the first time it was played before an organized professional sporting event. And it was played to unify the nation right before even the players themselves were drafted into the great war. So this has been a tradition that Mark Cuban, when he bought the team, he inherited this tradition. And just a few years ago, a survey was run asking fans, Hey guys, the national anthem before games, yes or no, is this something you want? 88% of fans said, 
overwhelmingly, yes, play the national anthem. We, we want to see this play before our games. So it's really weird now to see a team owner and even the NBA as, as, as a league kind of support this movement for literally canceling the national anthem. We, we saw Major League Soccer kind of make a move towards the same. And their argument really is this. It's, you know what, guys, we play it before every game. It's kind of a little old, we think. Maybe we just reserve this thing for the big games, like the championships and stuff like that. Listen, yeah, I mean, to be a season ticket holder, those we're still doing. Well, you mentioned MLS, Adam. We're still, do, you know, they were still doing for the whole first year the eleven seconds of silence. You know, it has to be something. Uh, the NFL, they had what was called the Black National Anthem, which you know was nothing more than a gospel song. That's nice. It's a beautiful song, but a Black National right. Anthem, to me, that's just more division. It it gets away from the very thing that you were talking about that. That we come together under the national anthem. We we have a bitter rivalry in the Seattle area where I reside in MLS with the Seattle Sounders and the and the Portland Timbers. Right? I mean, it is bitter. Even fans can get really ugly. But how cool is it when you play the national anthem and everybody's standing? You know, no matter how divided you are, it really should be that symbol. And the very things that you don't like in this nation because of the principles of this nation you have the right to protest is that ironic it, it is really ironic because if you think about it also so when you take away the national anthem from sporting events you are literally taking away the athlete's right to protest during the national anthem you can't kneel for it now you can't raise a fist for it now and you certainly can't sit there and salute the flag or put your hand over your heart the way most fans uh, would like to see things done. So, it, yeah, I mean, sports is supposed to be a unifier. And really, if you look at our history here in the United States, sports was a great tool that actually helped accelerate racial integration. And so as a country, I think that we've been able to look at sports as a really positive unifier that builds bridges and that helps connect people that are that are different and have different ideals and thoughts and cultures and religions and backgrounds. So why would we want to do away with the national anthem when when really sports is such a big part of our country it makes no sense right the, the argument well michelle the argument was that oh guys it's kind of getting old we think the tradi- we think the tradition's old we hear it every game my goodness what a blessing and privilege to be able to go to every game right <laughs> most fans are lucky to go to a, one game a season let alone one game every couple of years it's like 50 dollars to park there and then you know when the when the water is literally more expensive than the beer when you're actually at the <laughs> venue you know it's like wow it must be such a blessing to say oh my gosh i i, I hear the national anthem every day i'm so over i mean First of all, I think it's terrible to say I'm over it or we hear it too much. Oh, but it sounds like a spoiled kid. Right. Oh exactly. My gosh. It's a spoiled I'm kid. so tired of having, you know, a hot meal every day. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired of my parents saying I love you and you know it's exactly. it just is so spoiled. You are in the in the greatest country in this great experiment of the United States that's ever existed. And it's like, oh God, it's kind of getting old. Yeah, I think your whiny little brat attitude is getting a little bit old. And absolutely Apparently, the NBA uh, is saying that now teams must play. So, Mark Cuban, all of your whining, little boy, go back to your bedroom, take a time out, because you're going to be coming out and, and doing the national anthem. Adam, what do you do during the national anthem? 
when I hear the national anthem, I stand up and I put my hand over my heart and I think about my family members that have served. I think about my friends that have served. I think about how nice it is to see everyone around me kind of taking this moment together to whether you're supporting the team, that's, that's the home team or the away team, seeing everybody kind of come together to just respect the fact that we are in a country that allows us to be different and that allows us to compete and that allows us to enjoy a beautiful venue that we've all in one way or another paid for, you know, we've, we've paid to be there, whether it's through our, our dollars or our, our blood, sweat and tears, I stand for it. And, and, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And even if, even if the athletes on the court or the field are not from our country, they are here for a reason, right? And, and they came here for a reason, whether it's opportunity or it's literally just to pursue the American dream. Uh, they're here for a reason. So to hear some of the athletes say, you know what, we don't really identify with the national anthem. I, I kind of think it's a, it's a poor argument because they chose to, came, to come here and we welcomed them with open arms. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and you are playing because of the privilege you have here in the United States. Man, I'm the weird one that's sitting there and I sing, I sing loud and proud. I, I, yes. I get teary eyed because I'm Same. so grateful. And I think of what the see, I get kind of misty talking about it, too, uh, because I'm so grateful for the people who were willing to lay down their lives so that I can enjoy the freedom of dissing the national anthem. You know, it's it's just it's amazing that way. Um, and I wonder, you know, up in Canada, a couple of years ago, I was at the MLS Cup final uh, I've seen this happen in Canada before where uh, maybe the PA system goes out or uh, someone gets it wrong in this case. The Canadians were there singing the national anthem. We've seen that in hockey as well, where the PA goes out and they're in Canada and everyone's singing. It's like they get it in Canada. They res- yeah. Why can't we get that here? It's kind of like a get over it moment, but maybe it's part of a bigger problem that we're seeing in our country, Adam, and that's where we I don't know if we're not teaching history in school, but we're sure repeating it. And things that are happening right now are looking a little bit like the McCarthy era. And I say that where Gina Carano is concerned, uh, she was fired from the Mandalorian. So that, I mean, to me, just a a crazy, crazy story. Uh, What do you think? To your point, a crazy story. I mean, and, and it's kind of a, 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 I would say a very alarming trend that we're seeing. Not only was she fired from her from the show, she was fired by her talent agency, UTA. United Talent is one of the biggest agencies in Hollywood. And so to see her be fired from that, to see her also be fired from the upcoming Star Wars film, man, I mean, she is literally being canceled in a very strong way for, for expressing her First Amendment rights. So when you realize that sometimes people can make choices to literally attack your rights and also attack your ability to earn a fair living. That's a huge concern. It's a huge concern. It's extremely, extremely disappointing to see. And I think kind of going back to your earlier point about the education system, I mean, what are, what are they teaching our kids? What is that? What is sort of fueling some of these thoughts? You know, on one hand, I think that there's a call for parents to get involved with their local <laughs> school boards and, and be very aware of what that curriculum is. What, what are they teaching your kids? You have to know that. But then on the other hand of the, of the spectrum, 
what are the other influences that we're seeing here? What is compelling the NBA to make decisions to cancel, potentially cancel the, the national anthem? Um, what is compelling United Talent and Hollywood to cancel someone who maybe has a view that isn't radical left, right? And, 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 I, and I get, oh, no worries. I get really concerned, though, when I think that some of those influencers are external, foreign, international influences. You know, who, who, who is in it to win when it comes to our demise, right? You see a lot of interaction and, and misinformation coming from China, coming from Russia, um, and, and also, too, now from, uh, from Venezuela, you know. And so when it comes to seeking truth, I think we have to listen to those first generation Americans that came here to flee the socialist institutions that at one point stifled their ability to earn a fair living, to pursue happiness, to, to use their minds and exercise their free speech. I think about the the first generation, uh, the, the Cuban Americans and the the Venezuelans that are here, like Dinesh D'Souza's wife. Uh, they're they're here for a reason, and they know what the end result of of this can be. If if we if we allow this sort of activity to take place in a very strong and compelling way, I mean, what's next, right? We just canceled Gina Carano and her ability to earn a living. Um, we 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 heard the uh, the calls for anyone who worked for the Trump administration to not be employed, even Harvard University students saying, you know what, we're going to cancel anyone from from coming to our university uh, if they were in the Trump administration. Now, and you were asking me earlier, you know, like, where do I sort of stand politically, right? Yes, center right. I I, I think the center part, though, is just saying that I'm open to free and fair discussions that maybe are different from mine, right? Like, I'm open to conversations that you might say are, are a little bit leftist, but I am grounded by principles and morals. And, and, and I think about someone like Alan Dershowitz, right? A guy who is typically more of a, of a Democrat, typically, right? More of a leftist, typically, but he's also a centrist and he's someone who believes in the constitution. You have Alan Dershowitz protecting the Trump administration and those who Harvard seeks to cancel. He says, listen, I will pro bono for free represent anyone that Harvard University, a school that he taught at for 50 years, I will pro bono represent them uh, in a case against Harvard if they if they seek or experience any sort of discrimination. So, you know, I, I think that we have to be really, really involved, I think, at the local level first, but then also too at the federal level and make sure that our, our representatives know that we're watching. Well, think of what is happening here, too. Um, I want to read the tweet because uh, I I had some interesting conversations with friends, Adam, yesterday uh, that said, well, you know, it's just I think it was just all over the line that she was saying that. America wants to exterminate Republicans, you know, like they're these poor. I was like, well, first of all, so what if she would have said that's called free speech? But that's not even close to what she said. Let me actually read the tweet. Jews were beaten in the streets, fact, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children, because History is edited. Most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is it that in that any different from hating someone for their political views? It's a question. It's just 
a question. How is that any different? How Think for just a moment as you're listening to Adam and I today. Just wrap your mind around it. Take a step back and think, do you think that just one day out of the blue, Nazi soldiers say, you know what, this is a good day to just round somebody up. What do you think, Adam? Who should we round up? Let's let's take those Jews out. Yeah, we're just going to go out. Because if that would have happened just out of the blue, everybody would have said, hey, absolutely no way. You're not taking my neighbors. You're not taking my friends. What's wrong with you? No, it's a process. And what if we're in that process right now? I've got news for you, America and beyond. His History repeats itself. We're seeing, we saw it in in a minor form during the McCarthy era, did we not? We absolutely did. And you're, you're exactly right. History repeats itself, which is why we have to be students of history and we have to know sort of what, what happens. If this, then that, right? And, and let's also, kind of to your point, this didn't just happen overnight as far as, well, obviously what the Nazis did to the Jews. Facebook is being used as a tool to do the exact same thing in Myanmar. You have religious persecution against a religious minority in Myanmar. The government is using Facebook as a tool to convince their their entire country that this group of people called the Rohingyas are terrible. It's it's absolutely insane what's going on right now. And so the, the control of information, the control of the public's attention is something that we are seeing at an increasing rate here in the United States as you come to realize that big media and big tech are actually run by just a few people at the top. Yeah. And they're all like-minded, right? So when you have a few people at the top functioning sort of like an oligarchy in some ways, uh, whatever they want to do flies, right? Whatever they don't want to do, they're going to find a way to stifle that. And that's exactly what we're seeing here as Twitter and social media has been able to really silence conservative influencers or just anybody that kind of has a different opinion, right? Now, the thing that makes our country amazing is diversity of thought. It is free speech. Right. Uh, it's, it's a free press also, right? But the press is now being literally twisted. Fact checkers are not fact checkers anymore. Well, they're not doing their job. And and on top of that, if you read newspapers, if you actually do this old fashioned thing called pick up a newspaper, man, and you can read it oftentimes online, the grammatical errors, the, the, I mean, there's just, it's lazy and it's weird and it's sad. But the deeper scary thing is that when we look at it and say, well, you know, they have the right to, you know, if that if that just doesn't seem moral, but there is a double standard. I want to look at Disney for just a moment. This is the same company, Adam, that filmed Mulan in the same region, the same the same area uh, within miles from a concentration camp. Right. The NBA, who doesn't want to salute the flag and sing the national anthem, man, they do business with Nike and other companies that are tied into China with human rights atrocities that blow your mind. Disney fired James Gunn, if you remember, uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy, played Baby Groot and another character, fired him because he had offensive tweets dealing with pedophilia and and the joy of little boys uh, playing with your happy spot, Uh, paraphrasing, but a close paraphrase. They fired him, but they rehired him. And Pedro Pasco of uh, Gina's co-worker, he had put a a tweet up that showed 
Jews in the concentration camp and it said Nazi Germany and just under it, it said America. And it showed a picture of kids in uh, a detention facility, uh, kids who came across the border illegally. What, what really is the difference? Well, you know, Michelle, if you think about this too, right? Okay, so we have the Ayatollah, the Supreme Leader of Iran, who literally says the Holocaust didn't happen. And he, he's literally asking for violence against Israel. He's on Twitter. It, he has multiple accounts on Twitter in different languages, right? So, so that's, that's a real thing, right? So you have literally the, the spewing of hatred being allowed from certain outlets by big tech and social media. Uh, but then you have somebody like Gina Carano ask a very honest question, but no questions allowed. How, do, how does that work? I mean, how does that work? If we forget about history and if we can't ask questions anymore, well, the result of that is going to be a repeat of history and the wrong people are going to be in power and someone will be victimized. You know, here in Dallas, I'm a donor and a member of a supporting member of the Dallas Holocaust Museum for a reason. You know, I, I, I have family that, that served in World War II. Um, my, my, my family actually came here in the early 1900s from Italy for obvious reasons. I mean, the government and the economy was total junk at the time. But, you know, just as a student of history, as someone who studied political science as an undergrad, um, but then also uh, international politics and how different systems kind of create different uh, different results, um, I I know how important this stuff is. And so if we literally deprive our citizens of the information that allows us to make good decisions and that allows us to protect the, the concept of majority rule, minority rights, uh, and then also just the basic concept, concepts that are built into our constitution, I think we're in a really, really bad spot. Yeah, and we see it on a big stage as well in the news this week as we look at A Week in Review. Uh, Twitter Chief Financial Officer Ned Siegel gave the word Trump is banned for life. And there's a lot of folks who say, hey, that's excellent. You know, he the, his inflammatory tweets. Where do we get to the point where we are afraid of words? Didn't you grow up with that idea? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words may never oh, yeah. hurt me. Whatever happened to that? Where to go? Where to go? Literally, Trump is banned for life for tweets. Here in the state of Texas, if you plead guilty to, uh, to, to literally manslaughter, if you kill somebody, you, you, you literally will walk away with a 10-year sentence. So we're going <laughs> to ban somebody for life for a tweet. <laughs> a it, 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 it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, right? And actually, you know, I, I think about so many different... I, my wife and I watch a lot of like TV shows, right? We'll watch like crime documentaries. We'll listen to crime podcasts. And there's a lot of killers walking amongst us. They did their time. They did their time. But they're walking amongst us. They go to the same grocery stores. And, you know, not a life sentence, right? I mean, it's just the, the disparity of, of this than that is insane. Well, I, I just this week, I did a show on our News and Views Thursday podcast on Black History Month. And what I wanted to point out is that we're making history right now. So I incorporated a lot of Black American voices off of TikTok, you know, just one minute little videos on their on their thoughts. But I included folks that aren't lockstep with how black people are supposed to think get in line you if you have dark skin you're supposed to think this way so i included them and i saved oh dozens of videos adam i was really blown away that 
a good quarter of those videos, an eighth to a quarter of those videos were taken down within a day of me saving them. And I, I can't imagine wow. that all of their authors just said, yeah, I'm not going to say this anymore. All of them? I mean, that's that's huge. And they didn't say much other than, yeah, I'm black and I voted for Trump or yes, I'm I'm black and I don't agree with uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I'm black. And I think that uh, black people have really racist and mean thoughts. There was one where uh, it's a, a new thing now. You know how there used to be blackface. Well, now there's Karen face where you put on a wig, you're white and, and then big red lips and a, a black guy posted it and said you know this is this is hate if it's hate in one direction right. it's hate in both directions and it's killing and it's 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 eating like a cancer at our people taken down why it's crazy i mean it's like if it doesn't fit the agenda right they try to make it go away i mean i think back to this post that i recently saw from uh, lee steinberg who is if you guys remember that movie jerry Maguire, lee steinberg is the real jerry Maguire. And he was talking about how ridiculous it was that when he represented Oscar de la Hoya in a fight, Oscar de la Hoya was basically criticized for, quote, not being Mexican enough, right? So, it, which is just unreal. And then you think about kind of that, but then you also think about voices like Herschel Walker, right? Uh, Joe Biden said, you ain't black, right? If you vote for Trump, man, a lot of very, what big tech and the big media don't want you to know is that in fact, a lot of very educated, very intelligent minorities and, and also the LGBT crew, they're actually way more in favor in the most recent election cycle than, than the past one against Hillary, way more in favor of Trump than not. Um, the, the, the black male vote increased tremendously for Trump in the second election. And then the LGBT vote uh, jumped up to like 33%. So, you know, what, the, what big media and big tech don't want you to know is that they actually there are there are diverse voices that are in favor of center right ideals and center right values. Uh, organizations like Hollywood and big tech, they're well, not not so much big tech, but Hollywood for sure and entertainment. They're very fickle. They don't operate based on principles or values. They're chasing dollars, right? And so, you know, you mentioned uh, an actor who was fired and then rehired, right? Uh, the NBA, I mean, they're really fickle. Like they talk about social justice and put Black Lives Matter on the court. But you know what? Let's also uh, allow these child labor camps to, to persist in China. Let's allow children to be separated from their homes in China so that we can train the next super athlete to compete uh, in the NBA. Take them away from home, deprive them of education. They don't really need their family time. Nah. Put them in that sports camp and make them do drills. Yeah. Like, it, but in it's America, crazy. We're gonna co- we're gonna complain about kids being in a temporary detention facility. And hey, I'm all for keeping your eye out and making sure people are treated humanely. But when illegals cross the border, sometimes they are separated from their children. Sometimes people send their children in. And if we aren't at least taking a step back, those kids have a high propensity for being trafficked. We don't seem to care about human trafficking. Trafficking uh, right. and NBA, NBA or let's say NFL, for example, where the highest rate of human trafficking, sex trafficking happens during the Super Bowl. Not this year so much because of, of lockdowns, but right. that same that same uh, mindset has Tom Brady called a racist for winning the Super Bowl during Black History Month. I mean, that, that that was crazy. I never thought in this is how crazy the world is. And we talked about this in our sports cast, Adam. The world is so crazy that 
I'm actually feeling sorry and and pulling for Tom Brady. What has happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, same. I mean, everybody everybody loves a winner, but also people want to take down a winner. I remember when hackers went after Tom Brady's emails and they were trying to expose him for being this terrible guy. And what they found were emails between him and his his ex Bridget Moynihan, who he has he had his first kid with. Uh, Jack Brady. And these hackers were trying to expose Tom Brady as being just this terrible guy. And instead, what they found in this email exchange that they hacked into was basically a really nice conversation talking about how proud they were that Jack won an award for doing good in school and for uh, achievement with his reading uh, classes. So, you know, instead of finding like this bickering between an ex and Tom Brady, Bridget Moynihan and Tom, they found an amazing exchange between two separated parents that are co-parenting in a very functional way. And, and so it's like, you know what, they, everybody wants to try and take down a winner if they can, assuming they don't love the winner, right? I think Tom Brady is just an amazing, amazing person, great athlete, certifiably the greatest of all time. As a Cowboy fan, you know what, the last time we won a Super Bowl, you could literally have purchased a house, your mortgage would almost be paid off by now, <laughs> since, since we, <laughs> which is a really hard thing to say, right? Now, my wife is from New England, so she's a Mainer, so it's easy for me to kind of connect with Tom Brady uh, oh, just okay. for what well, he did in Boston. Because I'm from Seattle, you know. I'm going, what are you talking about? What the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so, it, but it, it's just, it, the it, if you don't fit the agenda, right, though, people, forces are going to come after you, and so Tom Brady doesn't really fit the agenda for, for the left, right? So he's got people coming after him. They want him to fall. But somehow after the age of 37, he's just continued to rise. Yeah. Okay. So the thing that I really appreciate about you is that you find a silver lining. You find a way that we're going to find hope. You look at these things uh, that we've been rolling our eyes at. And to me, some of these things for the last maybe two decades, uh, we've kind of laughed at the political correctness and, you know, rolled our eyes and said, okay, whatever, and just kind of live and let live. Now it, people are losing their jobs. People, uh, it's affecting uh, possibly elections. It's becoming really serious. And as Gina pointed out, maybe step one towards uh, the, the internment camps for re-indoctrinating people who are not thinking woke. So I see it as pretty nefarious. But you say, you know what, in all of this, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll really wake up and there may be a silver lining. I expect that we will. I really hope that we that we do quickly and sooner than not. You're right. Yeah, I'm I, I, right. I know. And I'm, I'm typically I try to be more of a realist than an optimist as much as possible. I certainly don't want to be a cynic. Um, I believe in the American way. I believe in the American spirit. And also we do have a system that allows for a pretty cyclical change of left to right. We're kind of we operate on, on kind of our own little pendulum of left to right. And, you know, we after Obama, I mean, man. We were so far left. Uh, we needed we needed a rise on the right in a very strong way to kind of bring us back to the center. Yeah, um, the the, the challenge. I get that, but isn't but, it a left leaning ideology? I mean, I grew up with that in a very left leaning household that uh, you defend someone's right to disagree with you. That was the whole idea because that pendulum that swung, there were times where right wing people were uh, burning books and, uh, you know, had a, a, a McCarthyism to, a, a, is a perfect example. Now we're seeing it swing this direction. We eventually swung yes. back. So you're saying that's going to happen. 
we got to break something though first. We have to kind of break a system that really doesn't allow the truth of the American sentiment to be expressed, right? So we have, we have, I think most Americans, when you ask them certain questions, the answers that you'll get from them are going to say that they're probably a little more center than not. They're probably a little bit more center than left. Think about so many progressives and leftists that don't really know what socialism is. They can't tell you that you don't own the output of your, of your input, that you don't own the labor of your fruits. They don't know that. They just, they heard about it on TV. It sounds kind of attractive. That Bernie guy said something about it, right? Oh, free, free what? Oh, that sounds cool. They don't really know what socialism is. But when, they, when they're presented with the facts and the truth of it, more people than not are going to say, give you answers that indicate they're more centered than not, right? And that's the beauty of our country, that we can have a left and a right. But at the end of the day, we do meet in the middle. We have to break big tech. We have to fix media for this to happen the right way. The monetization models that exist through our social platforms today and the monetization models that drive the growth of news organizations, right? They, they really kind of survive on clickbait. So, so to, to, to achieve the status of clickbait, you have to write a headline that's really like, man, I got to click on that story. Like, that sounds super crazy. Let me click on that real fast, right? It, it's typically inflammatory or just totally, totally kind of played up, right? It's, which basically means it's not true or it's not, it's not factual. It's not news. When you click that clickbait, the media organization earns you know, a few cents for that click or a few bucks. They want a lot of those clicks right, to make money. Uh, and then when you actually read the story, you might see a few subheadings in there. People scan, kind of scan at the subheadings. If there's a video there, they spend maybe a few seconds on the page. But they're most likely going to click to another piece of clickbait and give the, the big media organization more, more money. Um, if we don't break that monetization model and then incentivize our news organizations to be paid for good reporting and not for really good advertising, we got a problem. You are so right there. Thank you very much. I mean, come on. And that's where I, I think capitalism is fabulous. It's brought more people out of poverty than any other system. It gives us opportunity, uh, and that's great. But our system of government without morality, it was made for a holy and relig- uh, holy moral and religious people. That is the idea of our founding fathers. We need to get back to that morality. And for me, uh, that's... That's the God story. That's where it gets down to a deeper level. That's where we've got to take it to the rubber meets the road. In my life, what choices yep. am I making? And I made a great choice today by inviting Adam Rosary to join us, Chief Marketing Officer with Agency Partner Interactive, and my new buddy. He's cool. <laughs> I like. I haven't met your wife yet, or your dog, which I hear sleeps until like three o'clock. Yeah, pugs are crazy, man. So I have a couple pugs. This one pug of mine, Gemma. She is like a teenager, and especially after getting a weighted blanket, you know, and it's cold here in Dallas too. It's easy to sleep in when it's cold. She stays under that weighted blanket till about three o'clock or so. She used to be more of like a noon riser. And now if she's up before, literally if she comes down before three, if I'm at the home office, she's really kind of hard to deal with during the workday because she's just super extra. She needs a lot of attention. She wants to play. She wants this or that. If she gets her full sleep cycle in, being like, I don't know, 15 to 20 hours, then she's really easy to deal with uh, during work from home kind of scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, if, to, let your wife know that, you know, if, if I could be anything other than what I am, I would want to be one of your pugs. That's that <laughs> my goal in life. <laughs> you guys are experiencing snow. By the way, we've got snow. I got snow outside my window here. It doesn't happen like in Dallas. It doesn't happen a lot. So for me, it's magical because in Seattle, it, 
it snows for a day, maybe two. You don't really have to sweep your sidewalks because it it rains and goes away in a couple days. So everyone stays home. They're afraid to drive in the snow. It's pretty much magical and cool. So I don't know. What's it, what's snow in <laughs> Dallas like? You know, it's kind of like that, right? You know, it, it, it comes. We're excited if it sticks. Oh, awesome. We have snow. Let's go take a picture real fast, right? And then, yeah, it, it typically melts off pretty quickly, whether it's rain that comes in or just, just the day kind of warming up a little bit. But we're, we're actually supposed to see blizzard conditions here, which is, I hope, yeah, and, it, and it's a very rare thing. I really hope the cancellation of the national anthem is a lot more rare than the blizzard conditions that we experience here. It's like once every, every 10 years or so, you know. But, uh, you know, Michelle, I think you said it best, though, too, just the idea of, of you got to have faith, right? We have to have faith in our, our, our citizens, our peers, our neighbors, our friends, our institutions. Uh, we got to have faith and, and in the end, um, work together to, to just make life better and, and uh, just, just great, right? Just live the American dream, right? I like it. Adam, thank you for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure as we look at A Week in Review. My pleasure. Thank you. I want to share with you something that's changed my life. Uh, it's a product, and I used to take it when they paid me to talk about it at the radio station. And when I left my job, I stopped taking the product, right? And everything went south. It's Calitrin. It is a collagen supplement and the best out there. A lot of people take it for weight loss. I mean, people are losing anywhere from 10 to a couple hundred pounds. That's great. But for me, what it did is it helped me sleep. It helped me focus. My hair, skin, and nails were looking spectacular. It is amazing for those who may have arthritis, achy joints, that kind of thing. But man, it really is a fountain of youth in a bottle and I could feel its effects when I stopped taking it. So I contacted them and said, hey, do you want to be an affiliate? You know, you don't you have to sponsor my show. Just give me an opportunity to get the product at a special deal and to share that with my listeners. And that's what we're doing. So go to mymichellelive.com, click on the link and learn more about Calitrin, my favorite product. My Michelle Live, entertainment review. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. Well, thank you very much, Big Voice Guy. Today on our entertainment review, we're going to be looking at a new series. And I'll tell you why series are really cool right now, because a lot of us have gotten used to the whole lockdown thing. And in lockdown, you know, you're looking for something new to watch. We've been inundated with a lot of things that sometimes over the top, it's it's we're we're obsessed with uh crime uh hospitals and uh you know sometimes the rom-com things those are the big things right now but uh, in some ways we've been inundated desensitized so is there something good that we can stream watch and even binge watch i say yes and we're talking with the actor in a new series vindication Season one 
is streaming right now on Pure Flix, which we'll have a link to everywhere you're listening, or you can go to mymichellelive.com. Uh, Detective Travis joins us. Uh, he's actually in real life, his alter ego, Terry Todd. Todd, Terry, let's get that right. Thanks. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> That's what you get for having two first names in your in your name, but it's easy to remember for everyone else but me. Todd, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, and that's not the first time somebody's called me Terry Todd. <laughs> I get called Steve or a bunch of different names, but uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Michelle. And you're so generous. I love that about you. Look, uh, we have been really inundated with a a lot of television that desensitizes us. And that's why I really wanted to focus on one aspect of vindication. I I don't know if you've experienced this, but, you know, watching NCIS or um, uh, Law and Order, whatever it may be that that you're into, um, the, the shock value is like, ah! And then after a while, you're like desensitized to it. We use those things like we use sex and we use shock value of language um, to hook the audience. But whatever happened to just having good acting, great storyline, you can still deal with some tough, disturbing issues. You just don't have to have the shock value, do you? No, and I, I completely agree with that. It's so funny. I, I'm a bit convicted because I, I was talking to my son today about uh, just in general, you know, because it, this is a little off topic, but, you know, kids will be on their YouTube channels or whatever and listen to all these short videos. And half the time I'm hearing all this language come out, I'm like, hey, what's up? And then, you know, he said, well, you watch these movies and I hear language all the time. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's it's pervasive. It's everywhere, Ouch. you know, what you turn on. And that's what I appreciate about Vindication is uh, is that it deals with heavy subject matter, but it's not gratuitous. Right. And so that's kind of my, it's always been my pitch. You know, you can sit your, you know, teenager down with you, you know, and, and, and there's definitely some heavy subject matter, but it's good stuff to talk about, I think, things that teens will address and, you know, adults address as well. All right. We're going to talk about what vindication is, what you can expect. There's 10 uh, episodes to this first season. Um, Do you mind if we listen to the trailer and share that with our audience today? Great. All right, here we go. The East Bank community remains on edge after the grisly discovery of two bodies. This is the second homicide we've had in 14 months. Are we sure this is a homicide? What am I looking at? Has Dad said anything about what's going on at work? This is off the record. That means you don't talk about it. Okay? Have you heard from me? Has tried to reach out to you at all? Just stop it! Stop being a cop for just one minute! I can't! Guys, move! Hey! You can't take my phone! Watch me! You have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Do you even want to catch the guy? Well, we're going to stop it there. That um, trailer, and if you watch any of the episodes, it's amazing to me that there's a connection with 
the actors that you don't often see in the first season and uh, so kudos to to the the whole team there at vindication that's that's pretty cool you you know what i'm talking about right if you're in a series you see that there's right. there it's there but it, you haven't really gelled yet yeah there's there's always you know a, a kind of a ramp up time with anything and the interesting thing with this series but but yes we all kind of we're all a big family which is great but, you know, Vindication was originally shot as a standalone short film. So that first episode was just what it was. It was a, you know, a short, short film. Mm-hmm. And then the director made a decision to turn it into a series. So after that, you know, there's a little ramp up into the series to get the family introduced and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm really grateful to have, you know, we have a team of great people that work well together. All right, let's talk a bit about what Vindication is. Of course, uh, as I said, streaming on Pure Flix, and it's kind of one of those crime detective shows, but uh, there is a lot more to it. Absolutely. Uh, so, I, you know, it's part procedural crime drama, drama and part family drama. So, you know, the best thing I can, not to compare it to specific series, but shows like Blue Bloods or... Uh, show called Bosch, where there's a family element mixed in to the investigations. Um, And I like that because I like to know the heart of the character and, you know, see how those characters not only deal with their daily life, but their their own personal struggles in their lives. So, uh, yeah, I really I really have enjoyed being a part of the series. All right. Can you give us just I don't have to give us spoilers, but some of the topics and issues that the series is going to deal with? Set us up. Well, in in the past, we've dealt with everything from uh, social media dilemmas among teens to sex trafficking. Second season, I don't want to really get into it because I haven't been given permission, but I'll just say that we're going to bring in some other uh, familial elements to the story that are going to really uh, fire things up a bit. And, okay. Uh, so I'm really excited about season two. So, and that's really good too, as you're watching season one, uh, binge watch away because season two is on its way. That's always good to know too, that we're looking at something that we're going to be able to enjoy uh, for some time to come. Uh, some of the folks that you, that you work with, um, you've said that you've become kind of a family and that happens. And there's a, a faith element to the show that, in my opinion, is is well interwoven and very relatable to a majority of Americans. It's a kind of a faith element that most productions are afraid to touch on. Yeah, you know, exp- you know, it's funny if you're looking from a, maybe a secular point of view with film and TV. Christians have not always been portrayed in the best light. You know, they're the, you know, come across a lot of times as the bigoted characters uh, to some extent. But I've seen recently in the last couple of years a few mainstream shows that have really presented Christians in a really even handed light, which is all I think anybody would ask for. Uh, And so that's the great thing I think about this show is it's not a knock you over the head with any specific message, but it's interwoven throughout the series. And you see my character in season one kind of come to a realization in his own faith that is that is kind of activated through 
the different episodes in the series and what he comes up against. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There has been some elements of reality where faith is concerned because it is such an integral part of life, the life of most Americans. Uh, yeah. Some of the bad portrayal of people of faith in some ways is kind of fair because there's some wonky stuff that's out there. There's a lot of people who have been hurt by the church. Uh, and I bring that right. up because as your character, Detective Terry, um, I'm sorry. I, I'm all Probably. over your name. Yeah, all over it today. It's just it's just the way You're it is. Uh, you you struggle. You have your own faith struggle. And maybe that's part of it. Yeah, as a as a, as a character. Yeah, he did. You know, he's you know, he's seen the reality of life, you know, from a dis- different aspect that most police officers do that, you know, citizens just don't experience and so i think he he is a individual is a little hardened toward things and and my character is a bit of a curmudgeon set in his ways but it's you know it's through those experiences that he you know he sees the light so to speak but again like any christian we still have our failings and uh you know and you see those throughout so those don't just immediately go away but you know he does come to a a realization and i don't want to give too much for those who haven't seen season one so yeah no that's cool uh but it's a journey that people can take with you in any good series you have the backstories and you have the journeys that people take uh, too often we see um the failure of a show in my opinion one of the failures is that you co- you come to a the very beginning with perfect characters Right. Uh, If you don't see these characters struggle, I use it as a superhero theory. When you uh, some of the Marvel Universe has been so successful because those superheroes had their own struggles and character development and interactions. Right. They don't come as perfect when you have uh, the Superman movies where he's just, you know, all right, everything's perfect. It's kind of like yawn stretch. So we see that uh, really well done. And I'd, I'd like to talk about the folks who who are the writers, directors, and the folks that we don't see on screen that have put this together. Yeah, so Jared O'Flaherty, who's the director of the series, and, you know, he he came up with the idea, you know, he wrote the original, he directed the original standalone short, and then came up with the idea for the series. Uh, he's written the majority of the episodes. Uh, there's another, uh, Alan Tregonig, uh, has written a few episodes, a guy named Mike Wilbanks as well. But I would say Jared has written most of them, so he knows the through line. You know, he, he's a bit of everything. He's a producer, showrunner, director, editor. So he's got his hands in a lot, and he's done a really excellent job in, uh, in making the series what it is. That's good to hear. Uh, it's that continuity that keeps mm-hmm. people coming back, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. You know, I'll talk to him. We'll be at an event. I was with, at an event with him last week, and he he came up to me and talked about another idea, and I won't talk about it. But, uh, yeah, he's always thinking. He's always kind of plotting what he's going to – what he's thinking of next so he's uh, definitely a really creative guy so i have interviewed hundreds and hundreds of folks who have been involved in productions that interconnect faith and i have never seen 
a production where there hasn't been some kind of like, oh, ooh, wow, cool, almost miraculous moment behind the scenes. So uh, we can we can uh, all watch the watch the series, but I want to hear what we don't see. Those ahas. Oh my. Yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> I'm on the spot now. I, I, I don't know <laughs> that I have anything that just jumps off the page at me. You know, most of the things, you know, the, the funny things for me are we have typically shot like an episode at a time. So we would shoot like the first season took a couple of years to do because, you know, that he was getting approval for next scripts and whatnot. So we would shoot and then maybe three, four month hiatus shoot again. And then so for me, what you may or may not notice a lot of people comment on it is that my hair grows over the course of the uh, first season quite a bit. And uh, I also noticed that my weight fluctuated. As well. <laughs> so to me, those are not space stories. But, but they're, they're fun stories when you do something like that, because a lot of series are shot like in a condensed amount of time, maybe, you know, three months or whatever it is. And so you get it done and not much changes. Um, you know, but other than that, it's such a fun time because we shoot on the weekends too uh, at times, and the Cowboys are, you know, the favorite Texas team, although they never win. Yeah, well, I, I, you usually, I'd have some quip, uh, being a Seahawks fan up here in the Northwest, but uh, we didn't even, we, yeah. You know, I, I I have no words. We'll save that for our sports uh, broadcast on Friday. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> we'll commiserate together, my friend. Absolutely. Well, you got a good quarterback, so hey. Good for yes, we do. Man of the Year, by the way, uh, which oh, wow. uh, yeah, which is fabulous. That's that's quite an honor because of his philanthropic work, because of just the, the man he is and the man of faith that he is. And so maybe that brings us to interweaving your personal faith, not just in a, a series like Vindication. That's pretty easy to do because there's a faith element there. But what about in some of your other productions and some of the other um, movies and and series that you've been in uh, that aren't faith based. Yeah, so uh, you know I've done quite a bit of uh, just you know regular uh, network television and cable television and things like that that don't necessarily have a faith message. And uh, you know I think you know you bring your faith wherever you are, and sometimes it's you know, verbose and sometimes it's not, but hopefully you, you know, you walk in it and, uh, you know, obviously by being kind to others and just exhibiting Christ through your actions, uh, as far as how it's really reflected on that, I, it, I probably make different decisions than I did before I became a believer. I'd pretty much, you know, do and take whatever I got, but, uh, but it's not to say that I haven't made bad decisions while being a believer in my choices but I've hopefully I've learned from them and 
you know, don't make those same mistakes. Yeah. Have but, you ever uh, had to yeah. say no? Have you ever had to say, oh, I don't, yeah. I know I have. And it sometimes yeah, yeah. it oh, hurts. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes oh, yeah. it hurts. It's like, oh, I really, you know, I'm, unlike you, I'm not a, a really well-known actress at all. So, you know, you get these breakthrough roles and they're saying, well, we'd like you to do this and say this. And you're going, ah, oh, reek, 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 reek. I mean, what do you do? Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, I, I did have an example. I've said this to, on a show before, but uh, I had a jo- I had a job where I was doing voiceover, and I went to the job, and I prayed like I'd never prayed before before going to it, and I didn't know why. I just heavily prayed, and I got there, and I did the script I was given, and then they gave me another script, said, we want you to do another character. Well, this other character just was just the language that came out of his mouth was just all over the place. And I was like, I really don't want to, I really don't want to say this, but I also knew that I was committed to the job and I knew yeah. the producer real well. And I was like, Lord, I prayed heavily for this and, and I'm, I'm going to move forward. I'm just going to do it because I, I'm going to honor that I'm doing the job that was before me. And I got fired. It was the first job I ever got fired from. What? I got fired with, the first 10 minutes of, of doing the job. And, uh, and it's funny because the, it was about, it was a dialect thing and I had done several dialects on the actual initial audition, but for whatever reason I got fired and, uh, and I was grateful. But the cool thing about it was, is I got a bunch of other work from that same producer after I, you know, had gone to do, got fired from that job, he led to something else. So it turned out to be a big blessing, but, Sometimes you don't know the content of something and, you know, the, the full picture, especially with film and tv you don't know because you're given you're given sides uh which is a portion of a of a script and so in those sides you think okay i i got this i got this i had a similar situation todd where um i had a real breakthrough role and i was so excited this was a huge this was like this was the role that was going to launch my career and then uh, after i got the role I read the whole script and I was, uh, I, I, the language I, in one scene was uh, very sexually charged and sexually violent. And uh, I didn't see a redemption factor at all in this. And I had to turn down the role. And that just kind of almost ended my acting career. And yet I've spent a long time as a radio talk show host and, you know, and, and I'm podcasting now. I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for I would still be acting, which was not necessarily my calling. So you see that God always has a way. It's 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 amazing how that yeah. works out, but it, it can be heartbreaking. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it, it, it's hard turning down stuff that, you know, a lot of times I now can read something and go, I, I have a sense about it. And I'm like, yeah. Ah. And sometimes I'll audition for it. I'll go, ah, I'm on the edge. And I'm like, God, shut this door if this is not where you want me to be. And I, you know, I trust that that'll happen. So that's something i mean we're talking about that in in the acting and entertainment world but it really it can relate all the way to your parenting your interaction as a parent your uh, work wherever it may be uh you know 
Todd Terry isn't just uh, the good-looking guy we see on the screen. You're also uh, part of a family. You also have to live everyday life. That's your job. Like everyone drives right. to work every day. In your real life, you have to live that out, too. So okay. Okay. And and then then there's this because you're on screen and you're well known and you know we know you now as uh, as Detective Gary in Vindication and all and all that. Do you feel a uh, extra responsibility in case those people are watching you? Like you know, do you drive with a fish on the back of your car? Or take that off because you don't <laughs> want people seeing the way you really drive. I mean, how does that work out for you, Todd? Uh, well, that's funny. You, you talk about that. I, I don't drive with. A fish on the back of the car. I think that's a that can be a big setup for Chris because I we know. all have our I know. That's and true. As soon as, yeah, as soon as somebody sees that, they're like, they're not a Christian. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So no, but I mean, yeah, I it, it does make me recognize that you know, you know, there may be some people watching me that haven't been watching before. So yeah, but you know. Again, everything is a day by day, and I, you know, I learn new lessons all the time. As I was saying, you know, my son schooled me recently. Ouch! Whoops! Yep, that's true. So I, I've kept you a while, and I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. But I wanted to ask what you, what what would you like your audience as we uh, probably this weekend binge watch Vindication. What would you like us to notice or, or take note of or bring home? I just hope people en- enjoy the series, the series just for, you know, the content itself. But, you know, that they appreciate, you know, that there's not a lot of that extra gratuitousness of it and that it's still a good show. You know, it, it, it's not necessary to have a lot of that stuff to, to, to engage an audience. And uh, that's what I love about it. So, uh, you know, I hope that trend will continue. And I know, well, me too. you know, yeah, you know, but, you know yeah. I think as you say that, uh, I was thinking of you know, the new series Clarice is going to be out. And if you remember, if you watched the first Silence of the Lambs, it it was yeah. it was horribly disturbing it was just really disturbing going back and watching it a second time uh there wasn't a lot that they showed it was all very uh mental you know do you follow me it wasn't gratuitous in in the uh, actual scenes but in the subject matter that they created now you're not going to be disturbed like that when you watch vindication but i will say there is an art to be able to deal with crime and and horrible circumstance without becoming overly disturbing either visually or messing with your mind and i think vindication does a pretty good job of that and you do a great job as our detective gary todd terry has been our guest and i have so appreciated it thank you yeah thank you so much for having me i appreciate you My Michelle Live comes to you with thanks from one of our affiliates, in particular, Real Bearded Men. Check out their products, all for our bearded listeners. All my brothers with beards, raise up your beards, let that thing grow wild from ear to ear. They say you're so cute, clean shaven, I'm so sorry, dear, this ain't no shave, no 
November's no shaving this year. Our brothers with beards. We have a special deal with Real Bearded Men. Go to our website, get a coupon code, and use the link. You'll get the best deal on products for men with beards. In our entertainment review, thank you for joining with us. It is one of those weekends where you may need to get plugged in to the movies. I'm pretty cool. Plugging you into the movies, this is Adam Holm. Is this where I come in? This is where you come in. You're pretty okay. cool. I love okay. that that uh, we, we were talking before the show. Uh, you said, you know, if you have to say you're pretty cool... <laughs> Right? Yeah, you know, what, what don't is, toot your own horn. <laughs> to, to paraphrase Shakespeare, methinks thou dost try too hard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and let me just say, for those of you listening on Adam's behalf, I hoot totally, totally hoodwinked him into saying that. I mean, there was, it, it yeah. was not even close to Adam saying, hey, you know what, I've heard, no, I totally, I hoodwinked him into saying that. I had to, like, make him say it three times. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, 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 just say it. It's like, man, it's so, I, you can almost feel the eye roll every time I play it. That's yeah, part well, of the charm, though. That's part of the I charm, my, buddy. My kids' <laughs> eyes rolled clean out of their heads, and then we had to pick up their eyeballs. So, anyway, <laughs> I digress. We have other things to talk about. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, you know, something I wanted to start with. We just wrapped up our interview with Todd Terry of a new Pure Flix series called Vindication. And usually we focus huh. in on movies, uh, but yeah. this is a, a crime series. And people have really gotten into series lately because you can binge watch a bit. You know, there's 10 episodes actually of this. You can binge watch, you can watch at your convenience. And uh, being a faith film with faith elements, and staying away from some of the shock value, uh, gratuitous violence and scenes. Um, man, it's kind of refreshing. So I just wanted to get that out there. A special thanks to uh, Todd Terry for uh, being with us. And Adam, you know, as I'm in the interview, uh, because he has two first names and then he's plays uh -huh. Lieutenant Gary, I couldn't get it right. It was Terry Todd, oh, Terry Gary. And yeah, at the end, he said, you know, that, that was one of my favorite interviews. I'm like, what is up with you? <laughs> Who interviews you? <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> well, and, and I've written it down as, as something we may want to look into. And I think we're, we're just living in a time right now, Michelle, with... There's an extraordinary amount of content available, and so you know we're trying to keep our ear mm -hmm. to the ground, so to speak, and catch everything that's buzzworthy. Uh, but I'm glad to be aware of that, and uh, we may check that out ourselves and get a review up on Plugged In because it sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, let's do that. Get on that. That'll be fun. But we have some other things to talk about, some good picks and some poor picks and some what-can-we-watch-this-week picks. Yes, we do. Let's start with Minari. Have you had a chance to see Minari? I have reviewed Minari. So okay. this is going to be an interesting one to pick apart. Let's talk yeah. about what it is first. Yeah. You know, this is a story about a Korean-American couple who immigrate from Southern California, where there is a large Korean uh, community, mm -hmm. to Arkansas. And the, the husband, his name is Jacob, 
um, you know, it's sort of an American dream kind of movie. They get a double wide, and he is hoping to be a farmer, and he is sort of he's sort of in love with what we might call an old-fashioned vision of what America can be and what America can offer. But I think it's safe to say that his wife, Monica, uh, does not share <laughs> not so his much. love not for so that much. vision. Uh, she, um, as perhaps many of us would, says, you know, everything I enjoyed in Southern California doesn't exist in rural Arkansas. And they also have a little boy who has a heart condition. And, and the story is kind of told from his perspective. But the heart condition is important because the mom is concerned that the nearest hospital is an hour away. And she needs to work. I mean, they're in transition. And so they sort of they have this conflict, and they can't quite work it out. And they decide to bring his mother over from Korea and, I mean, she's sort of, and I'm, I mean, this, this is going to sound irreverent, but she's kind of the crazy Korean grandmother, you know? She she will Foul fairly regularly say... crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. There's I some mean, language, too. There is. Yeah, she, she is irreverent. Like, she yes. doesn't always behave the way you think a good grandmother should, but she's pretty unapologetic about it. And she ends up being a hugely important character. And so what we end up with is really a multi-generational story about conflict, about marriage, about loss, about fear. Like, there's a ton of themes woven into this movie. And I was talking with Paul AC, our reviewer, who did the written review on this, and he said it was his favorite movie from last year. Wow. So there's a lot yeah. going on there. And it's not a Christian movie, but I think we have some Christian characters here of different uh, kinds. Yeah, and, and we, we've we talked about this, what is a Christian movie? I mean, if a well, Christian exactly. movie is, you know, the whole purpose of it is to evangelize and be in your face right. about faith, then no, it's not a Christian movie. But I I think there's elements of faith in here that are a lot more real. Now, uh, something that I think goes beyond just the faith, I was impressed with Minari because of the realism of its portrayal yeah. of what you might call red states. Yeah. You would think that this movie would be, I expected it to be about racism, about, you know, these funny talking Koreans here in the South. You don't belong here. No, what you saw is what what it's really like. Uh, people who see something different, maybe the kids saying, "What? how come your skin's so brown or right. uh, things of that nature or seeing things that are uh, your culture is a bit different, but still welcoming and right. trying to work together because if you have been to the south there's some whack job characters there that aren't from other places and you all right. just get along you know you ever heard the right. you know bats in the belfry you got that aunt who you know sits up in the attic and you're like oh my yep. goodness everybody's got that down there in the south so they're used to different so the portrayal that we often see in hollywood is not what really happens no. on a regular basis i love that about minari and that wasn't even a major theme to the film no it sort of is it's a it's in the background kind of but it, mm -hmm. there's an innocence to it like some of the things that people say and do you could probably say well that's kind of racist but it's not so much racist as it is just people trying to figure out how to process something that's so different and and there's an openness an openness and a warmth here in this movie that i think um, it's an incredibly inviting movie. 
and, and yet, even you know, as a married person, I think we could also say, what do you do when you reach those impasses in your marriage? How do you get through it when you have two different perspectives? There's a lot to talk about here and a lot to like here in this movie. Uh, and with the exception of like one or two profanities, there's not much content to deal with. So sometimes when you get these kind of movies... Yeah, it's grandma profanities. Definitely yeah, grandma you've got, profanities. You've got a few, uh, but some of those are even in subtitles. So in terms of the ones we hear, it's a pretty ah, short list. I didn't think about that. Uh, uh, yeah, there's some... There's some wow. Uh, can I just say the ultimate in bathroom humor? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes, there's some anatomical conversation. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that. But again, there's... But it's not in your face and it's not meant to be inappropriate. It's not even dirty. It's just life, you know? Like, I think if you followed most of us around for 24 hours and filmed it, it would very likely be rated R just because life happens, right? (laughs) And... So, I want to follow uh, Adam around for a day now. <laughs> no, you know what I no, mean. I no, I know we, completely we, what we you mean. Mad, we lose our temper. We say something that the second we say it, we know it's Oh, come on. And lockdown, uh, lockdown wardrobe malfunctions. Um, well, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I wasn't even thinking stuff oh, like no, that. Oh, no. But seriously, but that's a, real life. Yeah, this yeah. This movie has a, it has a feel of capturing some of those moments without... <clears throat> without feeling gratuitous like there's an innocence to it if that makes sense it's very charming uh, a very very charming movie uh, i i think the ending was uh, was a little weak to me i yeah. don't know um, i i would have liked to seen a little more resolution so yeah. don't expect the ending to be like oh but uh, i guess it leaves some to the imagination well but it's also a movie that has that sort of it's sort of set in real life, you know, and so it's a pretty low key story, really. Um, but they do a lot in terms of just bringing um, a pretty normal, pretty relatable family to life. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think more so than a lot of the things we talk about, I think this one's definitely worth your consideration. Okay, it's Minari. Yes. Minari. Very, very sweet movie. And um, I don't know, maybe younger kids, probably not so much, but a family film? Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I think for probably you know, older tweens and teens on up, I think you could get your head around it. And it's the kind of film that I'm not sure kids are going to want to watch anyway. I mean, it's just not, it's not geared toward children, even though there's a childlikeness to it. But, uh, you know, kids want more explosions. So there's no, there's no explosions here. (laughs) You have a house full of kids. So we're going to take your word on, on that. Uh, What else is worth a C? Yeah, no, I think I think it is worth a see. Um, yeah. Okay. Anything so, else? And, and I think it it may be um, something that shows up for Oscar contention too. So yeah, I've got whoa. a couple of the things this week. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Really? Well, there's some buzz about it. I mean, it's it's huh. sort of may and it's a it's a little bit of a, a dark horse, but um, I think that oh. its portrayal of um, just the gentle clashing of cultures there's a lot going on here so we'll have to see okay okay well now let's move on what else do we have out there 
Well, if you want an inspiring downer of a movie, <laughs> boy, have I got one for you. It's oh, called boy. Land. And okay. it, uh, it stars Robin Wright of Princess Buttercup fame. Uh, this is about as far removed from Princess Buttercup as you could possibly conceive of, um, although admittedly that was 30 years ago. So we've moved on since then. This is about a woman who, who experiences a, a terrible, terrible, tragic loss, and she can't quite process it. And she is on the verge, really, of trying to decide whether she can go on. I mean, she's suicidal, and she kind of chucks her whole life and moves to rural Wyoming, actually, in some ways similar to Minari, except not so much, as we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say rural, I mean, like, pioneer level. There's no electricity. There's no running water. She's just in this cabin, essentially trying to survive. And so her physical survival really is almost a metaphor for the fact that she is trying to figure out if she can still survive emotionally. And the reality is she's not a pioneer and she practically dies and a hunter comes by and realizes that she's in a bad way and helps her and becomes this sort of redemptive character in, in her life. And he is going through his own redemptive process. Uh, and then there's still some more tragedy to come. So this is not an easy movie to watch. Uh, and we, we see her bathing a couple times. There's some partial nudity, I guess you would call it. It's not meant to be, you know, titillating, but it, it's there. Um, but this is a movie about survival. What does it take to survive when life has thrown something at us that seems like it might undo us. And so my guess is you could have 50 people or 100 people watch this movie and 50 would say, wow, that was really inspiring and gritty and amazing. And the other 50 would be like, wow, that was one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of depends on if you like that kind of movie, this is one that probably is worth possibly considering and if you want something happier watch a hallmark movie instead because this one ain't that <laughs> what you haven't had enough from christmas well, i mean right. it's only it's only february you give me right. a little bit of a <clears throat> breather before we get into some of the halloweenisms of uh, of hallmark uh, okay yeah. so that is that there's one in anything big or interesting on the uh, on the playlist you know, there's not anything super big. The other one that is well-known, though, is a sequel of a sequel on Netflix called To All the Boys, Always and Forever. This is the third um, movie in this trilogy. It's also a book trilogy, uh, and it is about a very spirited and confident young woman named Laura Jean, and her relationship with her boyfriend, Peter, has been growing now for a couple of movies, and they're... Um, they they feel like they're going to be together, and that opens the door to uh, consummating their relationship. And she the move this series has been um, compared to a lot of other things, like say Riverdale or mm -hmm. things that depict teens gone wild all the time. Yeah. This one's pretty restrained. We've had some good things to say about it, and that's true here too. But we sort of get the definition of you know when when are you ready to take that step? It's when you're certain that you're in love with somebody and that you're committed to each other. But I think as Christians, when we talk about sexuality, we, we know that we need a bigger safety net than just, I love you, <laughs> you know, yes, and yeah. what your feelings might be in this particular moment. 
so uh, I think we still end up sending a well-intended, if still off-base message to teens and, and who are thinking about their own sexual choices. Yeah, you do want to be in love. Yeah, you do want to be committed for life. But actually, you want to get married first. <laughs> so uh, this one's Put a ring on it, baby. Put a ring Put on it. Put a ring on it. <laughs> listen to Beyonce. You know, okay, wait, no. She no. knows what she's talking about. Well, whoa, or don't listen whoa, to Beyonce. Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> Well, didn't she have the song about putting a ring on it? Yes, she did. That's what well, I'm let's not take. To. Let's not take that too far, shall we, my friend? No, uh, no, no. <laughs> obviously, there are other problems there. Well, there are some, you know, and um, you know, we. In fact, we were talking about the Super Bowl last week, um, even picking apart the uh, halftime show. Which, yeah, what'd you think? Um, not a whole lot. Um, you know, kudos for trying to put something out there without an audience. It, it, it kind of lost something. So I'm not so sure it's the weekend's fault. I appreciated the PG commitment that he made. I really appreciate yeah. that he said, yeah, I'm going to keep it okay. Because uh, in recent years with Beyonce, with um, last year's show, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it was a stripper gate there. And yep. it, it, you don't have to do that for for, for that kind of audience. So, no, I didn't think a whole lot of it. The lip syncing, he's come under a lot of fire for, you know, silly lip syncing. It just was a little bit off. And yeah, I don't know. So, I will tell you the truth. I was at a party. Um, I probably shouldn't confess that because, you know, we're not supposed to do Super Bowl parties, but it was my small group. So, a couple other families. And none of us. I mean, I'm familiar with The Weeknd because it's my job to be familiar with him, but nobody else had ever heard any of his music, yeah. and so we muted it. So it was on, so you'd kind of watch it, but we weren't actually listening to the music. And what does that say about us? I'm not sure, but it was a very strange halftime performance to watch with the mute yes. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't so, uh, it wasn't much it wasn't less strange, we'll say, with the mute button off. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I I think we said this last week. Do you miss when they would just have classic uh, musicians that everybody knew and could sing along to and just enjoy yeah. it? Uh, you know, yep. it, 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 it turned into politics. It turned yeah. into uh, let's just be sexual. And... Uh, I don't know, you know, just uh, I just want to hear music that we can all feel good and sing along to. Let's see if they get it right next year. Right. Um, it, it's time for us to look into our yays and nays uh, movie television show something that we say hey you may want to give this a look and then some that you may one that you may want to steer away from so i'm going to let you start with your fa in fact i'll tell you what because sometimes i just throw this out there i'm going to start with my pick of the week the one that you may okay. want to see and this is on netflix <clears throat> we've been watching uh in, in recent years um Jumanji. Uh, you yeah. can also go back and watch Jumanji with Robin Williams, which is definitely worth a see. Definitely worth yes. a see. But right now on Netflix, you can also watch Xanthura. Xanthura, you may oh, or may yeah. not have heard of, <clears throat> but it's a space adventure. It's Jumanji in space. Yep. The fun thing about it is uh, it was back in 2005, and it stars people 
that you recognize now. Josh Hutcherson, which you will recognize from the Hunger Games. Um, He played PETA. Uh, You have uh, Dax Shepard, who is fairly well known. Kristen Stewart of the Twilight fame. Uh, So you have uh, Tim Robbins. Um, He's he's in it. So you have some well-known actors. It's just a fun romp. It's a fun thing to watch. The whole family will will enjoy it. Now, I don't remember if there's aspects that you might want to look at for your family, but that's why we have PluggedIn.com. They have... You can just put Xanthura in and you can get the long review. So if there's something you're particularly sensitive to, you just want to stay clear of, or you're like me and you like to make movies a learning moment for your family, you can look through and say, aha, this is what we're going to talk about. This is how we're going to, you know, afterwards have a a family discussion. So you can go to PluggedIn.com and uh, find out a little bit more and even look up old movies like Xanthura, my pick of the week. How about yours, Adam? Well, I'm going to aim young this time because it's been a slow week. Uh, Minari was definitely the best thing this week. So in some ways, I've already, um, you know, stolen my own thunder. But uh, there is a show, if you have Apple TV+, Plus, they have a new uh, peanut show called The Snoopy Show. (gasps) So It's it's delightful. I mean, they haven't managed to screw up uh, peanuts terribly yet and this is just sort of a a, that was a cynical statement huh Um, this is just uh, a lovely little show about Snoopy and the rest of the Peanuts crowd so if you've got littles and it's aimed young so I mean we're talking you know five six seven somewhere in that neck of the woods uh, this is a nice new uh, take on Snoopy and the gang, and uh, you can enjoy that. And, you know, honestly, if you can't enjoy yourself some Snoopy, I guess get a therapist or something or go to church or all the above. You know, <laughs> we got to be able to appreciate Snoopy. If you're so cynical that you can't like Snoopy, that's a bad place to be. That's a bad place to be. It's like a litmus test for cynicism in and our day and I age. I might need to go to the therapist or church or both. <laughs> or watch some Snoopy, you know, or all yeah. of the above. All right. I don't really have uh, absolutely. I had a pretty good week where uh, my viewing is concerned. So I didn't have anything that I just had to stay away from. But there are two things that I did want to mention. There's a television show called The Good Doctor. Uh, the good thing about The Good Doctor is it kind of normalizes autism. To a degree, mm. the head yeah. character is uh, is autistic. Uh, what uh, and <clears throat> having autism in my family, um, it's y- y- something that you you watch in a, in appreciation of. Uh, but I have had the biggest problem. I mean, come on, what they do every, every single episode, I have turned off in the last uh, maybe five episodes because every one is about the awkwardness of or the intricacies of 
autism sex, you know, of, of oh. someone with autism uh, wanting to get sexually intimate, talking about sex inappropriately. You know, there's some place for that, to be honest, of, you know, people uh, with autism finding what is socially acceptable, what is not, uh, working right. through relationships. But over the top, it's just, it's almost like exploitation. So I, I'm, I'm just not real, I wasn't really thrilled with that one. So yeah, I'm just going to mention that. it does feel like that. exploitation, doesn't it? I mean, just yeah. listening to you talk about it, it's like, well, is this the context where we need to have this conversation? Because, you know, it does get exploitative in terms of, you know, let's see if we can have a sex scene, but do it in a new and different way. You know, well, yes, yeah, and it doesn't have to be here? doesn't have to be grab. You can still there's there's humor to it, um, but you can do it in an appropriate way. Uh, you know, okay, I'll give you an example. If you're not used to autism, I have an autistic son. Going to a when you used to be able to go to water parks, we went to a water park. As we're walking around. Uh, it's all families for the most part, but there's this young girl in a hardly there bikini, right? Yep. Uh, and wanting to get noticed. And boy, did my son notice. Not as she expected. You hear this, oh my gosh, my eyes, it burns, it burns. Everybody look away. Don't look at her. Run, run. I am not exaggerating one bit. That is exactly what happened. And as we were walking together, I slowed down and let him walk by himself and looked around like, whose son is that? Who's <laughs> Like, well, it's good to know that you, you know, you let your son crawl under the bus by himself. And then yes, I did. <laughs> yes, yes, that's my MO. I had no problem with that until he turned around and said, Mom, Mom, here, let me cover your eyes. It was all over then. But uh, yeah, you can have that awkwardness. And in that, that's a funny story. There are stories that can be told oh, yeah. of how it can be awkward to have autism. But with uh, what, one in five kids now being on the spectrum? Spectrum, um, yeah. and we, we'll we get into that on our health watch as to possible why and what we can do. This is not the place. This is the place to talk about how entertaining that can be, and how we can't we can utilize television and movies to help us to understand to see that to be able to laugh when it's appropriate to laugh but there's a fine line between taking laughing at it and laughing at yeah. someone and exploiting right. it and and making it gratuitous yeah and i think the stories that we see in movies on tv and uh, in tv shows at their best they give us an ability to understand a perspective that we may not have ourselves. Um, but there are many times when, as we've talked about, they, the producers of these, these things can't resist the urge to go beyond that into something that does become exploitative. And, and we have to have the wisdom to know, okay, well, when is this a healthy exploration of something that I haven't thought about? And at what point does it become something that is doing things with those characters in those situations that doesn't honor them and it doesn't honor me as a viewer. And there's no, you know, one-size-fits-all answer to those questions, but I think if we're watching something and we become uncomfortable by what we see, that's sort of the first sign that maybe we need to take a step back and ask, do I need to watch this? And sometimes being made uncomfortable 
you know, there are movies out there that are supposed to make us uncomfortable. If you can watch Schindler's List without being made uncomfortable, you know, you're not being, you're not paying attention. So I'm not talking about that, but just mm-hmm. when our conscience yes. starts to say, <clears throat> I don't know about this. And, and even teaching our kids to say, you know, if they're at a friend's house and somebody pops a movie in and you feel uncomfortable, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm not sure I want to watch this or I'm going to go over here and you guys can keep watching it. Um, and it's just an ongoing process because we have stories being hurled at us from every direction. Uh, and so we've got to, to exercise wisdom and discernment with everything, both for ourselves and for our kids. I'm going to uh, parallel The Good Doctor with another television show called The Resident. And uh, Corbin Burnson has a, a a character in there. It's a reoccurring character, and you may know him from a a lot of things. You'd recognize his face. He plays a father of one of the characters. He's a he's in a a lot of faith films and has yeah. been outspoken he's been about in, his like, faith. Like all of them recently. Yes. Like. <laughs> yeah, he's in all the faith films. You know, uh, him and uh, White. Uh, what's his name? Hey, David A. R. White. David A. R. White is like the most unwrapped man on the planet. He's been in so many post-rapture, you know, uh, Jesus comes back and takes his church away. He's the most unraptured man uh, well, and isn't uh, on he the planet. And God's not dead? And yes, isn't he is. He, he is. He is. Yeah. But he is not in The Resident. Uh, Corbin Burnson is. Um, that one, yes, there are some elements of um, of uh, sex, um, premarital sex, things of that nature. Uh, but I have also seen that the, the the morality there, the doing the right thing, the struggling against I don't like this guy, but I'm going to treat him anyway. You know, there there's a lot better elements. Is it perfect? No, but you know that's where you can see when sometimes it's done a little better and. Sometimes it's not. So having said that, um, talked about what we might want to see, things that are new this week. We both recommend Minari. What things do we have on the horizon that we might get a little excited about? Oh, we're still in this zone of... No, 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 no. Whole... I'm sorry, Adam. That, that's not what I want to hear. I'm going to ask that question again. Okay, so, well, Adam... I'm, I'm <laughs> hang on, hang on. Pretty soon, if it's if this dry spell doesn't clear, we're just all going to come over to your house for family game night. So you better pick well, something, or you have a lot of folks over. Your wife is not going to be happy, and Winston's going to go crazy. Your new puppy, Winston, will go crazy. And I now have one movie in the next three weeks, which is I think the one I told you about the last time you asked me this question. So go ahead. <laughs> okay, so Adam, what do we have that we can look forward to on the horizon? <laughs> well, in two weeks, there are two extraordinarily different movies coming out that uh, are potentially worth your while for totally different reasons. <laughs> we have the reboot of Tom and Jerry. Yes, that Tom and Jerry, the cat and okay, the mouse okay. cartoon, which is self-explanatory. Uh, and as we get closer to it, we'll also be talking about The Father, uh, which stars Anthony Hopkins as a man succumbing to the ravages of dementia. Uh, ooh, this is ooh, a beautiful poignant, hard movie. Um, And actually, we've gotten our permission, we've gotten permission to put the review up early. The review is already there, but it's not out until February 26th. So we can uh, wait two weeks and talk about it then. But that sounds like it's a, it's a remarkable film about 
a man going through that and his daughter who's trying to love him through that process. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, get wow. your, order yourself a case of tissue okay. and okay. just strap them on to every appendage because you're going to need them all. <laughs> Where you won't need that for Tom and Jerry, it looks like a mix of animation and live action. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That is right. All right, we'll be talking about those as they get closer. And you know, you can always rely on Plugged In. You can go to PluggedIn.com for, we, we talk primarily movies, sometimes television, but uh, and even today we touched on music. If we would have talked about uh, YouTube channels, uh, books, and video games, we would have covered the gamut of what you covered there. You guys got pop culture down. Well, we're trying to cover the stuff that, people are buzzing about. And, you know, back to the Super Bowl, I think one of the reasons we don't have those, you know, classic bands anymore is that the culture has just sort of disintegrated. There's this idea of what some people call the monoculture, where we had a shared cultural experience when it came to entertainment. It's still there a little bit with all the options out there. Most of us are charting our own path, and so we don't have that shared entertainment culture nearly the same way we did 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. Well put. I think some are saying that Taylor Swift is the last superstar. That's right. The last one, yeah. And even Taylor Swift is now pirating from herself. This week, she's re-releasing her album, Fearless. This, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but here we are. Um, you know, she lost the rights to the masters and, you know, all of the, the money and the royalties that come from that. But she did get the right to re-record it. So she's re-recording her entire catalog, and she re-released Fearless this week, and it has six new songs on it. So we will be reviewing that. You can look for our review of that early next okay. week. Uh, but, yeah, she's like the last vestige of the monoculture. Wow. Well, there you go. Um, Taylor Swift and Star Wars. I can't think of a better way to end our conversation. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Adam Holtz gets us plugged into the movies. Adam, have a great weekend, my friend. Hey, thanks so much for making My Michelle Live part of your day. We look for the God story. We're here to encourage you. And if you like the podcast and you want to be part of the family, just email me, uh, listen, share, and let people know that there is a God story out there that can give them hope. We'll catch you next week. More entertainment at MyMichelleLive.com.